So welcome everyone to Mentor Meetup. Mentor Meetup is when we come as a group to learn from experienced entrepreneurs. So to hear their stories and the lessons that they've learned, that, that's a, that they have learned along the way. Today, we have a UC Davis alumna, which is always great to have someone from the family come back to share what has happened in their lives. Um, so I'm really grateful to be able to welcome Juanita Lott. Juanita, I know that you attended UC Davis for college. What was life like before getting to college? Were you exposed to business? Were you thinking about business? Actually, well, thank you, Don. I really appreciate the invitation to come back to Davis. Uh, great campus, great school. Um, I actually, I won't tell you when I was there. It's been a number of years, but I uh, grew up in uh, Oakland. So I'm I was a local kid, went to public school. Um, Fortunate enough to go to uh, both uh, the UC Berkeley campus where I started, but then married a UC Davis Law School student and moved to Davis. And so I finished my bachelor's degree uh, at UC Davis and a uh, great experience, one of the best um, educational experience I think you can get uh, in the country, uh, certainly in California, but definitely I've now had access to other educational uh, systems. And I, I have to say, um, you know, you're all fortunate to be there. It's a wonderful environment for learning. Uh, so as I was growing up, I had um, working class, you know, we were a working class family, no real exposure to college at the time. My parents were high school graduates, not college graduates, and no real clarity around, you know, uh, what I was going to do with this education. You know, my father wanted me to be a doctor. I knew that wasn't going to be my path. So at UC Davis, I was a liberal arts student, really focused on learning and absorbing all that I could. And it was one of the best decisions um, I made. Uh, so Don, yes, I, I grew up not knowing what my direction would be, but I think Davis did a great job of preparing me for uh, the life ahead. Now, were there any specific experiences or classes at UC Davis that you think prepared you best? Right. You know, that that's a really good question. Um, you know, looking back, I would say that uh, from an entrepreneurial standpoint, you know, certainly the emphasis that you see today on STEM um, is useful. Uh, but I was not a I was not a, a computer science student. Um, I think the most important skills that you can get from uh, in addition to STEM, if that's your choice, um, is really the experience that that just teaches you how to think, uh, how to interact on issues that are are challenging, how to take risks. I think you learn a lot from uh, kind of a wide range of of subject matter that you can study on campus. I don't believe there is any one uh, set of courses per se uh, that prepares the entrepreneur for the work ahead. 
Um, I do think uh, once you have a good foundation, a good educational foundation, and if you have those skills, right, um, you enjoy being in a situation where there's a tremendous amount of uncertainty. Uh, you learn how to think out of the box when the answers aren't clear, and you get that from a, a range of classes, right? It's how you approach um, learning. And I think uh, those are the skills that at the end of the day will probably be the most important skills you can develop. Not, not, uh, not concerned about failure, being willing to risk failure. Um, thinking and asking questions always, you know, uh, and, and challenging yourself. I think those are the skills you build in a good university like uh, Davis. Um, and those skills, I think, translate into a, a number of different things. And certainly uh, for an entrepreneur would be a, a really, really strong foundation. That's very helpful to hear that it's not just a specific class or a specific path that will take you there. So I read that you used to be an executive at a billion dollar company. So tell me, what's the path from UC Davis liberal arts to becoming an executive at a billion dollar company? So when I graduated, I was, um, I had honestly no clear idea as to what exactly I was going to do. I knew I needed to go to work. My husband was still in law school. And uh, I had the good fortune of uh, landing a staff job um, at Stanford University as one of my early uh, positions. Just, you know, I need to work. I know that my college degree will open doors for me. And I was lucky enough to find a, a job doing some things, again, uh, in an area that was new to me, but at Stanford University. And at that time, uh, Don, uh, that placed me in the middle of a tremendous, uh, what I would call a new world. It was uh, innovation all around you. It was young people coming up with, uh, you know, new inventions, new ideas. Companies were starting to grow uh, and building that Silicon Valley that we see today. And so I was uh, amazed at uh, the world I saw around me, that there were people taking incredible opportunities, building new products and new services that, um, you know, that, that they were, were creating out of, you know, their own personal ideas and, and hard work and, and I just loved the environment. I wanted to be part of it. Um, and so I started in a staff job. And, you know, part of, of my strategy was, you know, if I can continue to learn from everything that's around me, and that's not just my job, but paying attention to how other positions work, how other roles were, um, were handled and how the people who did a really great job at building businesses, how they got there. Um, I started climbing, you know, level by level, uh, looking for the opportunities. I was willing to step into jobs that I'd never done, uh, but trusting that I could figure it out if I had the right uh, people around me and was willing to work hard enough. And over time, I realized that in an environment where it's all about innovation and creativity, 
Um, there really are no limits other than the limits you set for yourself. And so it became kind of my professional strategy to, you know, just go into a job, learn all that I could, and then start looking to either side of me at the other jobs that were part of the picture. Is that a job I want to do? Can I give, you know, would that be a good place to spend a year or two to learn some new skills? Um, and so I was constantly looking at the opportunity to learn new things and to grow. And that was, you know, pretty much my mantra throughout my career. I was fortunate enough uh, to find good mentors along the way, to find people who would uh, help support my interest in learning in new areas. And I, job by job, moved from uh, one role to another and eventually you know, grew the skills that allowed me to step into a C-suite role uh, for a software company. Um, and um, yeah, and, and it was a great experience. I think for most of us who come to college without a clear idea as to what we're going to do, um, I think there's, there's actually some positives in that, in that for the most part, when you're 19 and 20 and, and you know, just getting out of school and not quite sure uh, what's out there, just immersing yourself in what is possible can open doors that you could never have uh, imagined while you're in school, right? A lot of what I learned in Silicon Valley um, that was all new. There was no way I could have studied or chosen a, a set of classes to prepare me, per se, for any one of those jobs. But what I could do is learn how to uh, learn, how to think outside of the box, how to challenge yourself, how to work hard, how to communicate. All of the core skills that you learn as an undergrad can be translated into a range of professions uh, once you graduate. So it was a, a little bit of luck and that I ended up in sitting in the middle of invention and innovation. Um, and I wanted to be there and I wanted to be a part of it. So I made it, you know, I made it my goal to become a part of that world, you know? Amazing. I like the story. Okay, so this is the mentor meetup at the Student Startup Center. So let's get to the startup part. Okay. So can you tell us a little bit about your founding story of Bridge, Bridge Team? Like where did the idea come from? Sure. What made you actually commit to it? Um, when did you actually jump from a career to becoming a full-time entrepreneur? Right. Um, well, uh, I had... I'd spent a good part of my career at the point I started Bridgestream, kind of climbing that ladder I just described. And I was in the C-suite, um, still wanting to do more, right? And running out of places to go. Uh, you know, there was a CEO, um, but that was not my thing. That wasn't what I was really looking for. But if I was to continue to grow, I needed to do something new and different. I was ready for change, I guess is the way I would describe the situation. Um, I also found myself in an industry, quite honestly, that um, didn't really throw doors open for women at the time, it's better now, but women and for people of color. 
So, you know, that, that was, that was part of the reason I wanted to do and be more. I wanted to break through some of those, those limitations uh, that the industry had, you know, intentionally or not placed on uh, a certain segment of the population. I had worked for years with some of the top minds um, in technology in working with the boards that I worked with. I was working with CEOs who sat on those boards who had built companies. So I knew a lot about their journey and their success. As I said, I'd spent most of my career in Silicon Valley. So that was, that whole industry was about uh, invention, change, and creating new, uh, new ideas, creating new businesses. And I sat there and I had two roads. You know, I felt like I had two choices I could make. I could stay in a C-suite role, probably go to bigger companies, and you can certainly find a bigger role and make more money. Uh, but that wasn't the thing that was driving me. It wasn't about, you know, trying to get a bigger paycheck. I wanted to try to do what everyone in Silicon Valley who I uh, admired was doing. I wanted to create a, a business. I had a tremendous amount of understanding around software. I built that over the years I worked in, in the software industry, so I knew how software was built. Um, I knew the business problems it solved. I knew the business problems it wanted to solve but had not solved. Um, I also knew that we were at a point, and again, I wasn't an engineer, but I knew enough about the industry and how it evolved that there was a technology change that was about to change the landscape of enterprise software across the board, right? It's, it was as big a change in the way software was designed as cloud software is today versus on-premise. It was a, an a evolution of the technology that I understood. And while I couldn't, I was not a programmer, I understood how it would be applied to certain business problems. And I decided that I understood the business problem well enough and the technology and how it could make that change possible where five years prior it would not have been. And I decided I knew, as, I knew what I needed to know to create that business as much as anyone else could, right? And I was stubborn enough to want to make, I want to do it for myself, but I also wanted to do it for the industry to say, there is no reason that an African-American slash woman uh, can't create a business if they understand it, if they know how it should be built and know the pieces they need to pull together. And remember, I'd, I'd run large organizations. I knew how to build a, a, a team. I knew how to create uh, a strategy. And I had to do it. It was the next thing I needed to do from a growth standpoint. And at that point, Don, I'll tell you, it wasn't, there was not even a question. It wasn't about money. At that point, it was the only thing I could do in the industry that I'd come to understand uh, that mattered to me at that point. Uh, there were very few women in senior roles in technology when I was 
getting into the C-suite. There were even fewer African-American women or men in technology when I was getting into the C-suite. That to me was not acceptable. Uh, not just myself, but there were a number of women and men who were working to change that. And so I needed to do it. Isn't the only way I could describe it. I had to do it. Um, and, uh, and so the rest <laughs> is history, you know. I love how limitations are what motivated you because sometimes limitations hold people back, but this inspired you to go do something big. Wonderful. Yeah, I, I think that's a mistake. I think when a person sees a limit and steps away from something they really want to do, I think they make a huge mistake. Um, I remember a, a someone when I was, you know, climbing that ladder who said to me, because I was in that headspace too, Don, right? Well, gee, I don't know how to do this, and I've never done that, and how is that possible I could ever take job X if, unless I've done all of the pieces and parts? And it took a very senior uh, mentor of mine to say, you know, there is no executive, there is no leader who has literally done every piece of the puzzle. It doesn't exist. What you do is you bring your strengths and you figure out where you have weakness and you fill those gaps with people who can take on the things you cannot. That's the story, right? It's not about... I can't do it all. It's about what can I do? And if I can find a way to fill the missing parts so that I now have everything myself and others around me, because this isn't a, this isn't a solo sport. It's a team sport, right? Um, then there's no reason you can't tackle almost anything if you, if you really want to do it. So um, that was not a deal breaker for me that I hadn't done everything. I was willing to go in and say, I can't do X, but I can do these 12 things. And with just one or two people, I think this can happen. I like it. That is an inspiring story. All right. Another question for you. So having been a senior leader of both a large organization and as a founder, how would you say those experiences are similar and how are they different? There's a ton of differences, but the similarities would be um, the ability to lead, similar, uh, the ability to um, problem solve. There are similarities as well as differences. Uh, I, I would say that one of the hardest things I've ever done is to step into a startup CEO role. And, and you know, it's hard to kind of break it down into specifics, but it requires an individual who is willing to go into a, a situation where they, they, they cannot predict the outcome, right? There is no way that as you're starting a business, you can be certain of the outcome. Let me give you an example. I started the company, as I said earlier, with a really clear idea of what businesses needed, in my opinion, and why it was a missing component uh, that people would pay for, which is important if you're starting a company. And that was the business I went out to create. Uh, I raised money 
from a number of angels. These are people that I've worked with in the industry, some of them in my company, some of them with competitors, and uh, but people that I knew who were willing to write checks to say, you know, I'm willing to watch, you know, to bet that you can build that thing. So I raised money on it on that. I created a business and hired, you know, and hired an organization to start building it. And we worked on building a product and understand this is, you know, enterprise software at the time and, and still to this day, I think to some extent, it is a major investment in engineering and uh, time, effort, design to bring a product to market. So I had started building a product and at the same time going to uh, various potential customers about beta testing that product. And what I was finding is while people liked the idea, enterprise buyers weren't buying it, right? Uh, I was building something that was not critical enough for them to say, I'm, I'm willing to write a seven-figure check. Enterprise software can be very expensive, so companies typically buy only when they are in desperate need of, of change or new tech, technology. So I ended up in that company having to figure out what I needed to do differently. And quite honestly, it turned out to be um, uh, kind of restarting this company years in. I had worked on this for like three years or so. And in that time had built an engine, starting to build out the application and found that the market that I thought was there was not there, right? I needed to raise money, but you can't raise money if you can't prove that the market is there, right? Started to build, uh, you know, hiring new people with certain skill sets, but are you hiring the right people if the market is different than what you think it is? And I ended up having to, while my engineers and, my, and uh, the rest of my team continued to work, to figure out how I, what changes I need to make to make this company successful. It was either going to fail in the next six to 12 months, or I had to figure out what I needed to do differently. So I ended up spending months talking to almost every IT um, CIO that I could talk to in the industry, every security chief security officer I could talk to in the industry, hundreds of people that I had to sit down with and say, this is what I'm doing. Does it make sense to you? Um, and if so, tell me, tell me why, tell me why if it's yes and why not if it's no. And so with just gathering that information, I ended up having to come to a point where I had to tell my team and my investors that we were building the wrong product. Wasn't gonna sell the way I thought. Not because it wasn't, it didn't work, it's because it wasn't critical enough. It wasn't the right product at the right time. I needed to pivot that product from what we were aiming to sell and where we were aiming to sell it to a very different product that took advantage of some of the things that were going on in the industry at that time. That was the time of uh, HIPAA, if you're familiar with that, when finance, when um, Healthcare organizations were putting in new laws and regulations about information, privacy, and security. Uh, when Sarbanes-Oxley was starting to look at financial services organizations 
and you know creating structure around what information they could share and how they created internal data and information security and that was not my original model but that turned out to be the right direction the right pivot for this company I had to convince my investors to come with me because they are now concerned that I don't know where I'm going, right? That this is now the right road. I had to convince my team that all the work they had done had to be, some of it kept, some of it scrapped, and we had to make a sharp left turn. And that was a very difficult turn to make, but it is the reason that the company was successful. It was the reason the company was able to raise additional venture capital. It's the reason the company was able to sell software to one of, at the time, the, one of the world's largest financial institutions as a solution in their organization. It's the reason the company was, init, was eventually sold to Oracle. Had I not made that left turn, that company would have failed. It would have failed within six to 12 months from that point. Those are the kinds of, uh, I don't know, it is not an uncommon story is what I'm saying. I know many entrepreneurs who will use the word pivot when they talk about what they did and how they ended up making decisions on the fly that saved their company or that positioned their company for a bigger outcome. Um, and those kinds of things are very difficult to anticipate. They're harder to do. Um, but you have to be willing to, to have this combination of absolute belief that you know what you're doing and still at the same time listening to the market and what's going on in the broader economy so that you can make changes and step away from bad decisions when you have to, right? It's, it is not a skill that a C-suite executive needs. It is absolutely a skill that a entrepreneur needs to have. That was really helpful. I, I loved um, the story to give it the context. Yes. And you set me up for my next rounds of questions because um, I wanted to ask you about failure. So I think this is a good time to talk about failure Sure. Um, because you were able to um, avoid ultimate failure with Bridgestream. But how were you thinking about how, making that change? Did it feel like it was a failure to get to the point where you had to redirect the company? Um, I would not, no, I don't think it, I, I had done enough uh, soul searching and research that I knew it was more likely to be the right decision than, than my original path. That was not, that was not a, a tough one. You know, it is true, and I know a lot of people, you know, this is the part of entrepreneurship that, that doesn't get talked about a lot, but it's um, when a venture capitalist invests in 100 companies, they're not expecting 100 companies to succeed, right? The, the ratios are probably the unicorns, the ones that they acquire that become the Googles and the Apples of the world, right? That's a very small percentage of their investment, uh, but they invest widely so that they can take the losses on one side and those losses are offset by amazing gains when they find a unicorn, right? Uh, and then there's the range of companies that are kind of like where Bridgestream sits. We are successful and they get a good return on their investment, 5x, 10x of their money in. 
uh, rather than the unicorns where it's 100, 1,000 X of what. But there's always a number of companies that just plain fail, fail, right? And for, um, for an entrepreneur, failure is not failure, right? It is not uncommon for some of the most, you know, if you talk to some of the most successful entrepreneurs out there, many of them will tell you my first or second company went nowhere, right? But my third company was a huge success. That's not a bad story. That's actually a pretty common story. Uh, for entrepreneurs, you know that the chances of failure are there. You don't dwell on it. And of course, you don't expect to fail. But you know that it's part of the it's part of being an entrepreneur willing to fail because failure sometimes moves you forward to the right answer, right? You can fail forward. Uh, failure should not mean you're out of the game and it should not mean you're paralyzed or that you made the wrong decision. It's part of the journey to fail, right? Um, I often tell people when I talk to them, you know, uh, just when we talk about business that um, you'll find that some of the best things you learn, and this is whether you're an entrepreneur, or you go to work for a corporation, you learn so much more from the things you do wrong. It just is the way it works. I don't know why that is, but you can often learn more from making a mistake and figuring out why that happened, how you can avoid it the next time, that's part of it, right? And even when I think about the journey of going up the ladder and trying to get into bigger and more challenging jobs, you have to accept that failure is a, somewhere in there you're going to make a mistake. Uh, you just have to know what to do with it and not let it paralyze you, right? And not let it take you out of, you know, not let it keep you from doing something that really is important to you. Um, yeah, that's the way you have to look at it, I think. That's helpful. Mm. So can you tell me a story of the most exciting time at Bridgestream? Okay, the most exciting time at Bridgestream. I think the most exciting time for, for the organization was when we close that that big deal I was telling you about. Um, this was a company that um, had spent a couple of million dollars working with another big company to solve this problem. And they had just come to the end of the project. The project was a failure, um, which was a, it was a big industry failure. So it was actually written about, you know, in industry press. So it was a very embarrassing situation at the time for this company. Um, and we happened to have a contact that got us in to meet with the person whose job it was to solve the problem. And we're a small company, you know, there were, you know, small startup that had never, you know, this was our first product, uh, still a beta level product. So it wasn't really ready for prime time, you know, in some respects, but we could talk about it and share what we what we thought the solution was in a way that they were willing to write to give us a shot at a project that was just, you know, uh, that that was tanked by a company that was huge compared to, to who we were. And so their pride, I think, in winning that contract was one of the bright spots. You know, it was their first major win. Uh, it was a international financial institution 
uh, we had beat out the little, the big guys. The little guys had won, right? Um, they'd worked for years, and I, as I said, I got them to do a pivot, and they're kind of looking at me. I sure hope you're right, kind of thing. So they saw the solution uh, paying off. They were ecstatic, and I was ecstatic for them. It was an important validation, um, and so I'd say that was the biggest high. Um, and there are, you know, I've, there's a million scary points where things were not good, you know, uh, along the way. We were, we were, you know, we worked on that for seven years, six years, seven years. So it was, you know, um, we had our ups and downs. Um, but it's the nature of the, you know, it's the nature of the beast. It's never straight up. It's always, you know, challenge. You find a way to solve it. You keep going, right? You find another problem, you solve it, you keep going. So, um, yeah, that was the highlight. Thank you for that. You spoke a little bit about your identity as a Black woman, and you talked about how limitations inspired you to prove that you could do it. Now, I'm curious if there are any, are there any other kinds of challenges or strengths that you think come with those identities, and do you have any words of wisdom or perspective for yeah. students to, to, yeah, what should we be thinking about if we are an other? Okay, so here's, here's what you need to know. Um, and I'll just stay with, with venture capital for, for the moment. But today, uh, if you look at the total venture capital spend, about 5% of it goes to women uh, which is wolf, you know, which is a very, very small percentage of venture funding. Um, and I would say a fraction of that, one, one and a half percent of that today still go, goes to people of color. So if you look at the total pot, there are a lot of venture capital firms out there. There's tons of money today going into new ideas, at, which is the way it should be. Uh, but we are still a very small percentage of the puzzle. Uh, here's the good news. Um, I think the industry has recognized that that's not sustainable for a number of reasons, that they're, they're not getting the value of great ideas from women and people of color that will change um, you know, the economy over time. And I do think they're starting to look at the, the buying power that you find in uh, you know, minority uh, buying, I think, is somewhere at one or two trillion dollars, and and women, I think, is more than half of the total spend in the U.S. Women are spending, you know, on a variety of things. I think they're realizing that there are markets that they have not uh, focused on, and so those doors are starting to open. Um, I have noticed in the last five years or so, there are a number of funds specifically either run by people of color or women. Um, I'm involved in a fund that's uh, a fund that is investing in women-led businesses as well as minority-led uh, businesses, but that's becoming more and more common. So while it has been very tough to get venture funding, um, well, it's always tough, it's been tougher for people of color and women, I think you see a change going on. So I am more optimistic today that funding will be available. 
I will say this about the buyer of your product or service. I don't believe that people who are looking to solve a problem that is, in, that is critical to them, I don't think they care whether you're a woman or a person of color. But without the funding to build that business, you don't get that opportunity, right? So I would say, in my experience, having solved a particular problem, they did not care whether I was black. They didn't care if I was a woman. At that point, they needed the problem solved, so they were happy to see us. That's starting to, to become more of the norm. So I'm more optimistic today than I was when I started Bridgestream about access. Access to capital is critical to anyone who wants to build a business. So um, venture, venture capital opening itself up to more is hugely, hugely important. Um, there's, it's coming, it may not be as quick, fast as we'd like, but I do see more of those doors opening. So that's, that's the good news. I like that perspective. I'm glad I asked the question. Good to hear it's changing. It is changing. Slowly but surely, I'm, there is change coming. So in a previous conversation, you mentioned that you thought entrepreneurship was a means to transform communities of color. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I know that you recently joined the board of Axion Opportunity Fund, which invests right. in small businesses and communities right. of color. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about how you think entrepreneurship actually transforms these communities? And if you have any advice for people who would like to use entrepreneurship to create change. Yeah. Well, you know, the, one, of the, one of the observations for me that, that came from working in, you know, in a corporate environment in Silicon Valley is how very, very few people of color there are in technology, right, um, at any level. And um, while I worked in a company where, you know, we tried to change some of that, I see that the lack of access for minority communities and women to the industries that will be the drivers of the future, and technology is certainly one of those industries, um, is creating a larger and larger wealth gap that is, in my view, unsustainable for this country. It, it, is a, it is a major, major concern that we will have a world where there are so many people who have nothing close to the skills they need for the 21st century, uh, where the jobs have changed so dramatically that their opportunities have become so limited that there will be an, a, a country where we have truly the haves and have nots. And I do not believe that that's sustainable. One of the ways I think that we can change that because not everyone is going to be able to go to the UC Davises of the world. Not everyone is going to have the education to be part of the tech scene or the financial services or, you know, scene or, or those big businesses, right? But most of what uh, most of the job creation in this country comes from those small businesses that sit in communities all over, all across the United States. They are the, the barbershop and the small grocer and uh, you name it, all of the small businesses 
um, that create jobs for their owners, their owners' families, that put them in a position to, to create an, eco uh, an economic situation for their success and growth. But that part of our economy is in trouble right now, right? We know that COVID has had a disparate impact on the small, small business. These aren't the guys who are going for venture capital. These are the guys who open, you know, who have $25,000, $50,000 and get, try to get started with something. And, uh, you know, 40 we lost 40% of those, you know, minority-owned small businesses during this COVID crisis, right? And, uh, you know, so, so, so I, I want to spend the next part of my career, uh, like I said, I'm never done, right? It's always what's the next thing. For me, the next thing um, is working with organizations who have made it a priority to find a way to provide that funding that gets that part of the economy going again, specifically focused on women of color, men of color, uh, people who've come to this country for the first time, right? There's, there's an economy that can be built without having to go to Davis or Stanford, right, or Cal, uh, that for that segment of the economy is success, right? Is, is creating a future for kids for, so they can send their kids to college, right? So, so they don't get left behind because they now have the ability to control their destiny if they can build a business. So, so I'm working with Axion Opportunity Fund because that's one of their uh, key goals and that we think by combining resources, financial resources with the learning that they need, because in some cases it's about, you know, you want to build this thing, but there are things you need to know to make that business grow and be sustainable. So figuring out how we bring the knowledge as well. Um, and in some cases that's, you know, kind of now that there's technology that can help too, there's a little technology also associated with that. So um, we're working to find a way to help ensure that that part of our economy does not get left behind. And that's why I'm, I'm working with them. That's why I joined their board. Uh, and, I, and I think if we can just make a small change in that, it's going to have such an impact, right? That's where equity uh, and inclusion mean something to me, right? We talk about those terms and, you know, and, and, you know, what are we going, and the systemic issues that create these problems, but each of us has to figure out what it is we can do that is concrete that will change that dynamic. And for me, it's looking at this particular problem and seeing what, what value I can bring if I work with them. Noble work. And I, and I like that you challenged each of us to find out what our role is to play in the world. I, yes. I like that challenge. Yeah. I'll take it. Good. Thank you, Don. Well, we're almost at 2.30. Um, I wonder if you can run us out with just some general advice for 
a UC Davis student who thinks they want to pursue a career in entrepreneurship? What are your closing thoughts for them? Closing thoughts. I think, I think a person who wants to do this um, should absolutely take the leap. I think there's um, a tremendous amount of opportunity out there. I think that if you want to learn more, there are places you can, you can go to expose yourself to uh, people who are, who are like-minded, right? So you can create that community around you of other people who want to create new businesses. I'd keep my eyes open and I'd look for, I'd start building your, you know, your network of people who can be helpful to you. You know what you can do, but what are you going to need that you can't, you know, what are the areas where you're going to need help and start creating that network of people and every opportunity you get to talk about the fact that you want to build something, not saying disclosing your, your intellectual property, but getting as much advice as you can. Advice is is golden for the entrepreneur. You can never have too much information before you leap, right? Um, I think also, for, and we talked a little bit about it today, this notion of spending a little time in the industry you're interested in, maybe working for that industry for a while before you take the, the big plunge, that could be a good strategy too, right? There's more than one way to get there. Um, and I'm excited for you because this is a great time to be an entrepreneur. The tools of, that help you create products are really good and they're easy to get to and it doesn't take as much capital as it used to, so it opens more doors. So um, if you've got the, you know, the, the, um, the inclination to jump in there, I, I applaud that and, and uh, believe that there's so many things you can do. And I will reiterate, if it doesn't work the first time, if the first idea isn't the one, that doesn't mean that you're not going to do it. So you stay at it, right? Keep at it. Um, and so that would be, Dawn, my, uh, my closing comment. Well, thank you, Juanita. Let's all thank Juanita for sharing herself. So yes, yourself, your stories, your wisdom, it is much appreciated. Thanks thank for coming back to UC Davis. Thank you. And congratulations to all of you, Davis. I, I, ho I hope to see you graduating very soon and getting out there. Good luck to you all.